Welcome back. We are in Genesis chapter 13, verse 8. Let's go. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please, separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. So here Abraham, uh, Abram says to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me. Abram was looking for peace. He didn't want to fight. He didn't want arguments. He wasn't the guy who at this moment was getting off on just being different and opposite of people. There's some people in your life, and you, you know these people, and all they want to do, they want to fight. They want to argue. They're just on edge. It may be a family member. It may be that Thanksgiving or Christmas meal where you're like, oh, man, they're just going to try and fight and put up a put up a fight. I can't find other words this morning, but you know that person will. Here, Abram's trying to be a peacemaker. He's like, hey, I don't want to fight with you. Let's you know, go, go your own way, and I'll go my own way. And he says, in between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Um, Christians should be united, right? Let's look at Psalm 133. Psalm 133 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You hear that word? Unity. It is like the precious precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hernan descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, live forevermore. That's Psalm 133, talking about us living in unity. Money often brings division. Things uh, Think of relatives fighting over an inheritance and relationships being destroyed over that money or a business deal going on and someone thought that they should have got more percentage or more bonus or whatever than than they actually got and that relationship is ruined us i've seen it so many times in my career you see worldly wisdom and money appear to make people smart and happy let me say that again worldly wisdom not godly wisdom worldly wisdom and money appear to make people smart and happy or at least that's the illusion and it's the illusion of the devil but they ultimately bring disappointment and problems, which is exactly what the devil wants. So you'll hear repeatedly a theme throughout the Bible that money is the root of all sorts of uh, evil, all sorts of problems. And that doesn't mean that money in itself is evil. Money is not. Money is just a thing. It is a tool that the devil uses to distract people from the things of God. It is a tool and it's used mightily in America today. People are wealthy and have food and satellite, not satellite, well, some have satellite, cable TV and uh, cell phones and all this, and still the majority of them are, are unhappy. And yet we're the most prosperous nation in the history of the world. More people are on drugs and antidepressants and depressed than at any point you know, in our nation's history and, and maybe in world history. I don't know. There's so many unpeople happy, uh, unhappy people here. Money divides people. And the problem is that most people, money has most people. Most people don't have money. Um, you know, and that's the question for all of us to ask ourselves. Do you have money or does money have you? Does money control your thoughts, your feelings, your mood? Or do you just have money as a tool to use to eat and to live and to give and to give to people in the name of Jesus? That's the key component, not just to have money, but to use it for God's glory. If God, God gives it to you, it's a um, it's a test. What you do with that money is a test. 
Do you keep it to yourself? Do you share it? What does it do to you uh, emotionally? A lot of people find that when they give their money away, they find the most joy and satisfaction that they've ever had in their entire lives. And I'm not telling you to do it, but I'm telling you to think about it, and maybe God's calling you to do it, and maybe you will find that joy and satisfaction by doing that. Um, or, or maybe you just need to kind of re- rethink what money looks like in your life, or maybe you're doing awesome with it right now. Uh, many of you who are listening to this do do wonderful things with your money and what God has blessed you with. Uh, but here, right now, in between Lot and Abram, it's causing all these problems. And verse 9 says, It's not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. So he's, he's saying, look around. There, there's all this stuff, Lot. We can go our different ways because obviously this, this just isn't working out. He says, if you take the left, now I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. You see, Abram was the elder statesman of the camp. And he could have made the decision of which way he wanted to go. He could have said, hey, I like it over here, so you're going to have to go this way. Right? But he didn't. In a humble manner, reflective of God's character, Abram left that choice to Lot. Think about your own life. When you have problems with another person, do you demand that you get your way? Or are you, like Abram, willing to submit and humble yourself that God might be glorified? After Abram was humiliated and humbled in Egypt because of his own lie, Abram now has turned to God and worshiped God and began again to live in obedience to God. Remember, it's not too late. No matter what you've done, you can turn to God. And no matter where you are right now, at some point, you're going to make a decision against God. It'll probably be today. It'll probably be a sin. You'll probably sin today. And it'll be, obviously, against God. Then there'll be something that you know can really take you away from it. A sadness, a depression, a, a blame, an anger, and a bitterness or something. But God's always calling you back. He's always calling us back. He's always calling me back. He's saying, Mike, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. So we want to be in prayer and communion and sharing uh, Christ with others. And verse 10 says, And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plains of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, that is, that's in parentheses there, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zoar. So here we have Lot. Despite Lot living for the worldly, uh, for the world and lusting for it, there's another side to Lot that is harder to see, but we are told about it in Second Peter 2, 7, and 8. So get this, right? We're about to learn of Lot and fighting with Abram and choosing which direction he wanted to go and not bowing down to the elder statesman and deferring to him, and eventually, which we'll get to going into Sodom, becoming one of the you know, town leaders in this horrible Las Vegas-like town. And But check out what's, what God tells us in Second Peter 2, 7, 8. He says, And delivered righteous lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds god refers to lot three times as righteous in that uh, in those two verses so he calls god uh, lot righteous which is really interesting right so it's hard to understand this because Lot fought with Abraham over money, ventured to a horrible land, and stayed there way too long. Lot saw and did things in Egypt that gave him a taste and desire for more worldly things. The tough thing for us is that it can be hard to turn away from certain worldly things once you've tasted them. Think about drugs, alcohol, sex, right? People have that taste, 
and they just want to go back. They may even separate from it for a day, a week, a month, a year, a decade. But something may just pull. There's that allure to go back to it. It's that worldly lust for things that are of this world that the devil wants you to lust after because he knows it takes you away from God. And that's why it's so important to walk with God early because otherwise it can be hard to kill old habits, to resist the temptation to return to your old ways. I can attest to that. I wasn't walking with God for about 15 years in particular. And, you know, it's old habits are hard to break sometimes. There's things that prop up and the devil's like, come on. And you're like, whoa, 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 no, 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 I'm a different man now. And you have to be cognizant of that and know, recognize those things that you used to do. You see, Lot's, Lot's story demonstrates God's great mercy because although Lot made plenty of bad choices, God still saved him and his daughters from being destroyed. And God even preserved his lineage. So God's mercy trumped Lot's bad decisions. So don't you forget how powerful God's mercy can be. You get that? Through all the bad decisions that we're going to see Lot make, God still declared him to be righteous, not because he himself was righteous, but he's covered with the blood of Jesus and of God, who is righteous, because he was bowing down in obedience to God at times, or at a time, God still declared him to be righteous, even though he was making so many worldly decisions. And I don't know, you know, I can identify a lot with Lot and with the screw-ups of Abram, right? Abram lying to the Pharaoh and saying it's his half-sister and not saying it's his wife and Lot doing these things and being lured by the world. That, that's, that's been me, right? And, and that's probably you. But we can change, right? God changed me. And I have a far less affinity for the worldly things than I used to have. I still have some. I still get lured and tempted by the devil as do you. And we have to fight with the sword, with the sword of truth, right? God's word is the sword of truth, and we can use it to battle the enemy. And we don't go out with these big weapons trying to blow up someone who doesn't believe in in what we believe in. We're not forcing them at gunpoint to believe what we believe. We're loving them to death, if you will. We're loving them to the death of their old self, so that they can find their new self in Christ, their new identity, their new person to be reborn. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for loving us, though we make worldly decisions. Help us to make less worldly decisions. Help us to make none, but I know that the flesh that we live in is going to cause us to sin. The devil's going to tempt us. We're going to fall for it. But Lord, help us to strive for you, to live for you, to love you, to trust you. And today, today, to be in a good mood for you, Jesus, to sell, tell someone about you, Jesus, and to smile and be joyful because today is the day of salvation, Lord. Thank you so much. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to Daily Verse by Verse. We want you to be prepared in season and out of season to study the whole counsel of God so that you can share with people who Jesus is through your actions so that you have the right to tell them who Jesus is so that they can come to know Jesus or come to know Jesus better. We strongly encourage you to share this message, this podcast on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, message, email someone who you think could benefit from it. It's an easy way for you to go out and witness to the world just by sharing this podcast. We hope you'll join us tomorrow. Have a wonderful day.